Good morning, everybody. Good morning, the rest of you. Oh, there's someone awake at the back. Very good to see you this morning. It's just great to be together. Um, if I haven't met you, my name's Mark, and I met a couple of you guys that are here for the first time, and uh, we would love to stay in touch with you. So if you're here for the first time, or you've kind of come a couple of times, and we don't have your contact details, on your brochure, there's a little place where you can just fill it in. Um, we won't spam you with a whole bunch of stuff, but we would love to just connect and to find out how, who you are and how you are and all of those sort of things. And so if you're happy to do that, um, we'd love you to do that and just leave that at the info table so that we can, we can give you a shout. Um, I hope every wife is challenging their husband about grocery shopping after that, because I don't want to be the only one. Um, I really don't like grocery shopping, but... Caleb, but dude, we're going to have full buckets. Yeah, you and me. <laughs> You're not going to get out of this one. Let me pray before we go any further. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for family. Thank you that you have called us into this place at this time. And Father, would you speak to us? Lord, we just open our hearts to you. And would, would you speak? Would you reveal your heart? Would you do what only you can do? And we, we just, uh, Lord, we want you to know that we love you. And uh, we, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray as we just listen to you this morning, that Lord, what you would speak would not only bring freedom to us, but would bring a blessing to the other people in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, um, uh, before I go any further, uh, I want to just acknowledge a couple of people, and I think there might be some here that I'd and I don't know that they're here. So uh, there's some friends of mine in the front, and they're two pastoral couples, one from, from Randburg, another from George. Um, and then I see Greg and Carlina back. I don't know where you guys are sitting. Wave at me. There you guys are. Are there any other people here that you like a pastor, or you lead a church, or you lead a ministry somewhere? Is anyone else like that here? Not? You the only guys? Can, can I steal a little bit of your time? I just, as we're worshiping, I, I really want to honor these guys because I know what they all do and they're impacting and touching so many people's lives. And I, I know you guys aren't shy because you, you pastors and leaders and preachers and missionary people. So why don't you stand up and can we just pray as a family for them as they're going to go back and, I mean, Greg and Carlene are part of this church. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you for these three couples. I thank you for what they represent in the kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for the way you're using them to cause havoc in the kingdom of darkness and to bring light and truth into places and to people's lives that so desperately need to know you. And Lord, would you give them grace? Would you provide for them? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them the wisdom and the courage and the faith for whatever lies ahead? Lord, would you increase their leadership and their ability to manage and, and to just govern and take responsibility for the huge responsibilities that they carry? And Lord, would you bless their families, their children, and their grandchildren? We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you. Um, Greg and Carlene have just got back from, from America, and so I feel like you're visiting, but they're part of the furniture. But anyway... Um, so this morning we're right in the middle of our um, Naked Truth um, series, and it's a, it's, a, it's a family series or a relationship series, and, and, and Manz and I have this, this, this little like tradition thing that's developed and this little habit, on, normally on Sunday mornings if I'm still there when, when, when Manz gets up, or sometimes on other occasions when I've got to be a little bit more conscious of what I'm wearing, and I'll get dressed and I'll say to Manz, is it okay, like what do you think? 
And invariably, her response is this. It's not all about you. Everything is not about you. <laughs> now, before you think I've got a terrible wife, okay, this is our own little joke. And because if she says it, I know that it's okay. It's safe to leave the house. Because if it wasn't okay, she wouldn't joke about it. She'd say, listen, like, seriously? Um, and she would make her suggestions. So we have this kind of joke that goes on. So when she tells me it's not all about me, um, I know exactly what she means. She really means it is all about you. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's how I'm going to interpret it anyway. Um, but the reason I tell you that story is because this morning, as we talk about the naked truth, we're also speaking about being selfless. And, and I'm loving this series because we're speaking about things that none of us would want to come to church to hear about, so we don't tell you really up front. Um, we surprise you when you get here. But I want to encourage you in this, that there's something in this that's very liberating and it's so close to God's heart. And as we talk about that, and as I consider this, even the, the title of the series, Naked Truth, it takes me back to the story we spoke about last week of creation with Adam and Eve, and God's made humans in His image, and it's this beautiful picture of, of oneness, of unity, and they, they're naked before God and before each other, and there's absolutely no shame. And, and, and it's just this, this picture of this, this is God's design, this is what, what, what God created, um, and there's... The, the most precious and beautiful thing about the picture is just this unity, this oneness. And then sin enters the scene, sin enters the world. And, and the question I have is, like, how did this happen? Have you ever stopped to think, how, how did they go from that to this place of sin and separation? And you might say, well, oh, seriously, do you not know the story? Like, they, like she ate the apple, they shouldn't eat the apple, and then, you know, it was a bad apple. No, it's not that. <laughs> I know she, they disobeyed God and they ate the fruit they were not supposed to eat. But that's what they did. What, what happened that led them to do that? And so we, we, we pick up the story where we know that the devil comes in and he lies because that's what the devil does. He's a liar. He can only lie. Jesus called him the father of all lies. And he comes and he lies to, to the woman and, he, and, and she says, we can't eat this. He says, no, 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 no. He says, you won't die. You won't die. He said, God knows that your eyes will be opened and then you will, as soon as you eat it, you'll be able to see. And here's the words that, that, that change everything. And the devil says, and you will be like God. You will be like God. And, and, and one of the translations says, and she was convinced. They were convinced. Something shifted. And this is what I want to speak about this morning is that there's something deep in the heart of all of us that we want to be like God, we want to be God, we want to be that person in our lives. And, and society even reinforces that. You see, when they gave into that temptation, that is what led them to sin. I don't believe it was so much the physical act, but something shifted in their heart. And here's what shifted, this is what took place. Their focus went from being on God and one another to being on themselves. Their focus being on went from living in this perfect picture to focusing on self. And this is what we would call idolatry. You see, when we worship anything other than God, that's idolatry. And we all have different things that kind of take that place in our lives, but ultimately, it really is, it's us or God. 
And this morning, God wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring blessing into our relationships because here's the thing. If that is prevalent in your relationship, your relationships are going to suffer, and they do suffer. And many of you are sitting in a place right now with stalemates and arguments and tension because of this. Because you're God. Or you want to be God. We've got, my, we, we, we have Netflix, um, and uh, my family like to watch TV, and, and, and so I sit with them sometimes. Um, and and Mandy, Mandy created profiles, there's four profiles, and mine says the big boss. Is this a big boss? Huh? It just says big boss. It's the only place I'm big boss, but I've claimed it, because on Netflix, I've never turned it on yet, but I quite like this thing when it comes up, it says big boss. I said, that's me, because there's something in all of us. We like that stuff, you know? But you see, if we see in Scripture that one of the things that reveals idolatry is stubbornness. Stubbornness. Scripture says that stubbornness is the same as the sin of idolatry. You say, but hang on, hang on. Why, why? I'm not talking about perseverance. I'm not talking about tenacity. I'm not talking about fuss, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stubbornness, where it's saying it's my way or the highway. It's what I say. It's my will. It's my idea. It's my point, and I'm going to stand my ground, and I'm not going to budge. That kind of stubbornness is what was set in the heart of humans right at the beginning, when we said our focus is now going to not be on God, but on self. And as some of us sit here this morning... Some of your greatest relational challenges are because you're stubborn. And I'm saying it with all the love and grace that I can say it, you're stubborn. <laughs> How do I know? Because I'm stubborn. We're all stubborn in certain places. And some of it, we'll justify it. <laughs> we'll justify it, that's for sure. But stubbornness will hurt you, and it'll hurt those around you. And this morning, God was wanting to say, would you just, would you just breathe out, and would you just let go of this thing? You see, we live in a world that promotes Self-focus, self-promotion, self-preservation, don't we? we? It's about how many likes you can get, how many followers you can get, how you can pr pr promote yourself, how you can look better. And I'm not just knocking social media, but in general, this is what's encouraged. And you can, you can go and listen to blogs and talks about this kind of stuff, and it's about, all about me. We advertise like that, you know, I'm, I'm worth it, you know. And God says, but there's a different picture here because that picture will lead to pain and that picture will lead to division and that picture will lead to hurt. And some of us are living right in the middle of that. You see, in spite of what society may tell you, you can't focus in two places at once. Really, this morning is about focus. What do you focus on? You can't focus in two places at once. If I say to you, can you just please focus on these drums and at the same time, I hope one of your eyes is over there, would you focus on the cross? Would you do that? No, because it's impossible, am I right? <laughs> you cannot focus in more than one place at the same time. You cannot concentrate on more than one thing at the same time. And I'm sorry to break the news to you proud multitaskers, it's a fallacy. <laughs> Our brains don't work like that. When you think you're multitasking, you hear, then you're there, then you hear, then you're there, and that's why we get so tired, and they've proven this. That's how the brain works. And this, 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 this thing about learning to be selfless is all about focus. It's all about where you're placing your focus. Paul writes some great advice for us. He writes to the church in, in, in Philippi in, in chapter 2, and he says, if you got anything out of 
following Jesus, if you get anything out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your lives, and uh, if being in the community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, He says, then won't you just do this one thing for me? He says, just do me a favor. He says, agree with each other, love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. And then He says this, and this is really the heart of what we're speaking about this morning. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And then he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do nothing, do nothing, do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And you know, when I first read that, I think, sure, I wonder who's like that. And when I begin to think, look at what selfish ambition is, and when I begin to consider it, I start to realize that that's a lot like me in a lot of situations. And I realize that stuff is deep within my heart if I'm not aware of it. Wow, because selfish ambition has one person in mind. I think I'm focusing on Jesus and on, on myself, but no, I'm not. I'm either focusing on Jesus or myself. I'm either focusing on others or myself. And Paul's saying that we should never act. He says, he says, just don't do this. Never act from that place. Never act where you only have yourself in mind. Never, never have the selfish ambition where you have no consideration for others. And, and you know, in our, in our world today, this is something that we don't even really teach and reinforce with our children often. And, and, and this is not a dig at parents, because I'm a parent, and, and I remember when I was little, growing up, you go to a family gathering, and all the parents are there, and all the children, and, and you know what would happen? Is the parents would generally, adults would eat first, and the kids would get the scraps. No, no, the, but the adults would eat first. Nowadays, what happens? The kids eat first. Now, it's a silly example, and I know half of you moms are saying, yeah, because if I, they don't eat first, we don't get to relax and enjoy a, a meal because mom and dad are running out. And I get the logistics, okay? I'm talking about the heart. There's nothing wrong with your children eating first, okay? Until they're teenagers. Then they've got to eat last. Otherwise, there's no food for anyone else. But, but here's the thing. We live in a world where we're raising children and we're reinforcing this, that life, the universe revolves around me. It revolves around and that's not, the, that's not God's heart, and that'll hurt your children in the future. It'll hurt their relationships in the future, because God's got a different picture that He's called us to. I don't know about you, but I struggle with selfishness. I really do. I hate to admit it, but I struggle with selfishness. I'd love to say I'm the most selfless person, but I'm not. And I don't know what your self, selfishness looks like, but here's one thing I've learned. Here's one thing I've learned, that How can I say it? I've learned to say by not accepting the acceptable selfishness in my life, that leads me to habitual selflessness. When I don't accept the, 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 the acceptable selfishness in my life, it leads me to habitual selflessness. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about those small selfish moments. Those things that are, that where it's, it's my needs, it's my time, it's, it's my convenience, where I'm not prepared to go beyond that. And the things that are so small that nobody's going to hold it up in front of me and say, you are so selfish. But here's the thing. We, we, we have a dishwasher at home. Um, 
Thank you, Jesus, for the dishwasher. Because this thing just is always either full of dirty dishes or clean dishes. I don't know who fills it. I mean, I know who fills it. I don't know who creates all of that. I'm not going to look anywhere. Um, but here's the thing. Mandy and I, we're just a picture of perfect harmony when it comes to this. It's just part of God's grace and His perfect design. Because... Man's really doesn't like unpacking clean dishes and putting them back in the cupboards. I don't understand it because that I, I can do that. I don't like packing de- dirty, greasy, slimy dishes in the dish, but man's doesn't mind that. So we just flow in this beautiful rhythm of grace. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of honest, nearly. Um, but here's the thing: that's the truth. But somebody still has to pack it, and someone still has to unpack it. Now, when I come down in the mornings, which is normally before anybody else, and I make my coffee and I see the dishwasher is finished its cycle while we are sleeping and it's full of clean dishes, it's not a written rule that it's my job. But I have a choice in that moment to say, I can unpack the dishwasher while I make my coffee, or I can just go and spend time with Jesus. Because that, that, that would be better, wouldn't it? I can go and read the scriptures and hear from God. <laughs> I mean, who cares about the dishes? And here's the thing that God always speaks into my heart in that moment. He says, that's one of those little selfish opportunities. Is it sin? No. But do I want to learn to be selfless? Yes. How do I learn it? By unpacking the dishwasher when no one's looking. Because you know who will unpack it if I don't do it? You all thinking Caleb, but not this time. It'll be man's. Sorry, dude. Because that's what man's would do. And so when I talk about selfishness, so often we're thinking about when am I going to give my life for Jesus? That's when you learn to give your life for Jesus. When you do the things that are inconvenient and the things that are so small and the things that are little patterns that lead to selflessness. Maybe it's washing somebody's car. Maybe it's cleaning up. I realized when I look back on growing up in my home, I mean, we had chores and you did what you were told to do. But you know what I realized? We kind of did what we were told, but nothing extra. Because it's mom and dad's place. But what's in your heart? What's in your heart? Paul carries on. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You see, he says, don't be impressed with yourself. Show off or think that 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 you're too important. Why is this important? Because when we think that we are more important than what we are, we give ourselves permission to be selfish. We give ourselves permission to not do, to serve and to humble ourselves and to love in the way that we could because now we are important. We're the main oak. We're God. We're king. We're the ruler. We're the main boss. We're the person that has the say. And, and, and haven't you seen that this happens with people that, that really become very successful and have fame and, and, and people start to say, oh, we just want to hear what you have to say. And we create place and we push people into a place and onto a pedestal. And what we're doing is we're giving permission and they give themselves permission and we give ourselves permission when we have that kind of influence to not be selfless but to be selfish. And I don't know where you might be, you're giving yourself permission somewhere and I want to encourage you and say, listen, you're not that important You are so important in the eyes of God, but not for that. Because we have been set free to serve. 
So when we think more highly of ourselves, we give ourselves permission to be inconsiderate to others. Paul says this, he says, rather in humility value others above yourself. Paul's saying refocus. He's saying refocus, because that's what, that's, what, that's, that's what that means. It means to refocus. When you value others, you're taking your eyes off you and you're putting your eyes on Jesus, because how do we love God? We love God by loving people. That's how we love God. We love God when we love people. Humility is not putting yourself down or thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It's not bringing your, putting you as the center of, of your world. And guys, there's such freedom and there's such liberty when we learn to walk in this, but we learn it in those small moments and the little steps. It's not in the major big decisions because it becomes who we are. It's considering the needs of others before your own. It's using whatever God's given you, whatever resources, whatever skills, whatever abilities to serve and to honor and to bless and to encourage and to strengthen other people. That's what it means to walk in this, this selflessness. And Paul says, in your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You see, Friends, so often we miss this, and so many of us are sitting with, with stalemates right now because we can't get ourselves out of the picture. I, I know this. I've learned this, and I, I, again, I hate to admit it. I'm my biggest challenge in my relationships, not the other person. I'm my greatest obstacle to living in the freedom and walking in the freedom that God has for me, not other people. They're my opportunity to live out what God's called me to do. And you can look at that person and see them as an obstacle or you can see them as an opportunity. And I want to tell you, God's put them in their life not to be an obstacle, but to be an op opportunity. And it comes when we, when we refocus and we say, God, what do you require of me? And we know what he requires of us, to love, to love. So let's look at Jesus' example in that same chapter. In that same chapter, Paul says this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He knew he was God. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took uh, the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in a human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death, a death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself. How much more should we not humble ourselves? That is not weakness. This is wisdom. This is what we've been freed for. See, no one took Jesus' life. Nobody took Jesus' life. He gave it. And he gave it to honor his dad, and he gave it to save you and to save me. Nobody took his life. He's God. And some of us have such a fear of losing what we have and losing who we are. And, and, and can I remind you of that statement that I love to quote that kind of I've tried to live by, is that what is given can't be stolen. What I give you, you can't steal from me. And when, we, when that becomes a reality in our hearts, there's no freedom to give. There's no freedom to surrender. There's no freedom to humble ourselves before people, because we've given. We've given it. We've let it go. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. Even God did this. John records this. Jesus says, There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know what? That doesn't start when somebody's got a gun to your head. It starts when you get home and someone's got to wash the dishes make the bed, wash the car. Am I right? 
And so I want to encourage you, let's not complicate this thing and get theoretical about it. Let's get real practical about it because this is what blesses people. This is what blesses people. This is so countercultural. This happens in the small everyday decisions. Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to follow me, you've got to die to self. Why? Because God knows that if we can get past ourselves, man, life just gets a whole lot better. That's when Jesus is seen in us. That's when God is glorified in us. That's when people look and they say, man, this is an incredible God you serve. Because they begin to see his nature and his character, his love, his mercy flowing through us. So there's no place for selfishness in the kingdom of God. So he has some practical things. Some practical ways. How do we step into this? How do we live in this? Well, the first is, would you just serve? This is not so much about doing something, but about who we become. Man's has just spoken about the Matthew 25 challenge. And it's, a, it's an account in Scripture where Jesus says that we fed him and we clothed him and we, and we gave him shelter and all of these things. And, and, and his followers say, when did we do that? When did we do that? When did we love you like that? And he says, I'll tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. You see, when we love people, when we care for people, when we serve people, we're honoring God and we do it for God. Paul says this, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. What attitude? An attitude that says it's not about me, but it's about you. An attitude of humility. An attitude to serve. You see, when we do that, not only will will the people in our lives be blessed, but that we will gain favor with people. Here's a practical thing. If you don't have a consistent place to serve, you'll find that you won't serve because we've got to be intentional. We've got to be consistent about it. Find a place to serve. Start with your family. Be intentional about serving your friends. Serve people that can't pay anything back. The next one is give. You see, when you say yes to give, you say to someone else, you say no to you. It's sacrificial. All of us, no matter how much we have, have a certain limit on our resources. And it's a beautiful thing, and it's one of the things that helps shape our hearts and frees us from selfishness when we let go. When we say, God, I'm going to take some of what I have, and I'm going to give it to somebody else, because it means I'm going to have to say no to me in some area. That is, that is wise, and it protects us. It brings blessing into our lives. Forgive. I was praying about this, and I've really felt God say, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Part of learning to be selfless is learning to forgive. Because learning to forgive it means to, to, to humble ourselves. It takes faith to forgive. It, it, we have to be free, free from, 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 from fear. Because fear for so many of us is the reason we don't forgive because we're so worried about losing our hold and our control and our, 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 our manipulation. And God's saying, would you just trust me? Would you just forgive that person? Would you just let go? Why? Because Jesus did that for you. He forgave before you asked. He offered forgiveness before we even acknowledged our sin. You don't need their response. You just need to respond the way Jesus has responded to you. This is what it means to learn to become selfless. This is the attitude that Jesus had. And lastly, would you honor? You see, you can't lift someone up and lift yourself up at the same time. And when we learn to speak words of affirmation and honor, man, my words catch me out all the time. Because I find when I'm speaking something, I don't know if you ever do this, where you're kind of speaking well of someone because you know somebody else likes him, and then you just drop a little negative comment in the midst of it, and it exposes your own heart. Because you realize, hang on, I'm not free to honor. 
I'm still worried about me. I'm worried about my reputation. I'm worried about my position in this. I'm worried about where I stand. And I haven't humbled myself. You see, we need to learn to honor one another. And, and the easiest way is to honor with your words. Would you honor your parents, no matter how old they are? Would you honor your children? You know, when we do this publicly, it's so affirming. It does, it's, it's so liberating for the people that we honor. Would you honor people that are younger than you and older than you? Would you honor your boss? Would you honor your mother-in-law? Would you honor your friends? Would you honor people that you're in competition with? Would you honor them? Because when you do that, what you're teaching yourself, you see, this is, this is bringing freedom to you. It's bringing freedom to me. We're learning to be selfless. We're learning to refocus in those practical moments, our attention on Jesus. I'm going to ask the, the musicians to come up. Friends, where will you focus today? See, you're either going to be focusing there or you're going to be focusing there, but you can't focus in two places at once. And if we're going to learn to live a life of selflessness, because that's a life that honors God, that's the attitude that Jesus had. If we're going to learn to humble ourselves, we need to learn to bring our focus onto Jesus. Because when your heart and your, and your soul and you focus on him, you know what? You will love people. You will serve people. You will be generous. You will be forgiving. You will be gracious. Why don't you bow your heads for a moment? I want to just read. what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and it dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels of plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. As our eyes are closed, would you just bring your own heart before God? If you've been stubborn, if you had a stalemate in a relationship because you won't humble yourself, you might be right. I'm not asking whether you're right or wrong. I'm saying, would you humble yourself? Would you let go? Would you listen to what God's saying to you? Because stubbornness is hurting your relationship and God wants to free you from that and he wants to bring blessing into your relationships maybe you're sitting in a place right now where you just can't forgive and God's saying would you humble yourself would you trust me because God wants to meet you right in the midst of that place of forgiveness he's wanting you to set you free to live a selfless, Christ-centered life. For some of us here, God's been speaking to you for some time and He's saying you need to bless that person, you need to give to that person, you need to, you need to spoil them. You need to be generous. And you've held back and you've held back and you're resisting it. I want to say to you, God, God wants to bring a freedom that's more for you than it's for that person. 
It's more for your blessing than it's for that person. Would you trust God? Would you trust God? Make the sacrifice. It will be a sacrifice. It's meant to be a sacrifice, but it's okay. Because you've got a generous, faithful, heavenly Father. I was praying, and I feel just real Holy Spirit stirring in my heart even now again. For some of us, we need to just say, God, would you forgive me for the way I'm not honoring, where I'm not honoring my wife, the way I'm not honoring my parents, the way I'm not honoring my children. The words I'm speaking are not words of life. They're not building up. They're not affirming, but they're negative. They're critical. They're judgmental. They're cruel. You've been speaking words like that over your boss, over your family, over anyone. Won't you just ask God to forgive you? And would you make a decision to speak with honor that you might develop and model what it means to be selfless? Father, I thank you that in this moment that you would speak. I thank you that in this moment, Lord, that you would fill us with a courage and a boldness to act on your word in our hearts right now, on your prompting Holy Spirit. I thank you for decisions that are getting made right now, Lord, that will bring freedom and healing and blessing in so many relationships. We just thank you for that. So friends, before we end, we want to do something very practical. We've been given name tags, and I hope it's got your name on it. It doesn't really work if it hasn't got your name on it. But in the front here, we've, we've got the, the cross and we've got a basket at the foot of the cross. And the reason we, we asked you to get a name tag, and if you don't have one and you'd like one, if you just put up your hand, somebody will bring you a name tag. They are some, thanks Meg. The reason is we just want to do something that's very symbolic. You know what decision you're making. You know what area you need to say, God, I need to be selfless in this area. I've been holding on to me. I've been holding on to me. I've been trying to put me forward. I've been trying to protect me. I've been trying to lift up me. And we just want you to bring this name tag and to come and put it in, to take it off and to, to put it in this basket. You'll see there's a whole lot of name tags in there. As a physical act of saying, God, I'm going to lay me down. I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to humble myself. And so as we do that, let's be intentional. Let's hear what God has to, to say. So the worship team are going to lead us in a song. And when we finish, when you put your name and come back to your seat, don't sit down. Let's just worship God together. As, and it'll take a little bit of time because it's one basket. But that's okay. But let's allow God to bring a new freedom and a new confidence and a new boldness in our hearts. As we come again and say, God, not me, but you, not my will, but your will. And we bring our focus back to Jesus. So friends, when you're ready, let's do that. Thank you, team. I heard it in broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is good. Have you?
you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Was born with 
Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you've set us free. You've set us free to live for you. You've set us free to live beyond ourselves, Father God. Lord, you've set us free to live out every plan and every desire, every dream that you have for us. And Lord, I thank you for your empowering this morning to serve and to love and to give and to forgive to honor, Lord, to live a life that is selfless, to let go of ourselves, to live a life of surrender to you, that you might be glorified. Lord, we want to be able to say with John the Baptist that Jesus, you need to increase as we decrease. And I thank you that that would become a greater and greater reality in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name.